What is this, an audience or a mosaic? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Movies We Dig, the podcast about antiquity, pop culture, and everything in between. I'm Elijah Fleming. And I'm Colin McCormick. Today we'll be talking about Hercules, the 1997 animated fantasy musical directed by Ron Clemens and John Musker. And also joining us today, which we're really excited about, is, I think, our, not I think, I know, our first guest, my advisor, fellow uh, colleague at the University of Texas at Austin, Dr. Ayelet Heimsen-Lushkov. I was really afraid I was going to just totally butcher the name I've said a thousand times and do it right in front of you, and I would be super embarrassed. Yeah, that's but I got why we gave you the PhD in the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because I can say yeah. names in yeah. front of that, people. You know, that's not a small part Fantastic. of the job. If you if if I had a nickel for for the number of times when you teach like a like a myth or a civ course or Roman history and people ask about like pronou- pronouncing and or spelling well, the, names the, correctly, the most terrifying yeah. job is a graduation, right? Because there's the person who reads out all the names, and they ask mm, the students yeah. to write their names out phonetically. But you know, <laughs> that's still anybody's guess. And so when I graduated, the the provost who I think was reading it, her office actually got back to me and was like, "Can you?" Can you be very clear on like the accents? And, and I was like, yeah, okay. When I appreciate it, it was a, it was a good effort. For sure. But, um, yeah. yeah. I kind of want to do that job once just to like see if I can live with the, the free soul of danger. Oh, no, no never, never. <laughs> Fantastic. So we usually start off and we'll, we'll start with our, our guest today. I just, What's your sort of relation to this movie? When did you first see it? What was it like going back now? And, and just generally, like, do you dig this movie? <laughs> um, so I was thinking about it this morning. And so the movie came out in 97, and I was just starting undergraduate then. Now I feel old. You two probably weren't even born. I take I take issue I know, with that because last time last episode we were saying how like younger people are gonna hate us because we are down on the Percy Jackson. Yeah, well, see, now old people are gonna hate you too. So it's a perfect a perfect metaphor for. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna enrage both boomers and zoomers. I, exactly. I just have enemies on all sides. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I was just starting university and I was a classics major or a Greek and Latin major as as it was, and I I remember seeing it in the cinema possibly twice. Which for anyone who knows me with any like serious knows that like there are very few movies that I have seen in the cinema and and even fewer that I've seen twice. One of the other movies I remember seeing in the cinema twice was The Little Mermaid, which I saw with my grandmother. <laughs> so that kind of tells you about the role of Disney in my my early film <laughs> appreciation career. And I remember at the time kind of digging the movie like a dork, like in a hey, like, I can spot all the references, which is, like, a super classicist mm-hmm. thing to do. And now I'm kind of wondering if this kind of set up my my life as a, you know, a literary critic, because there's nothing that classic... <laughs> like, the whole discipline of classics, right, is basically to get enough training <laughs> that you can spot all the references in a classical text. Yeah. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, very much. That, right? That's me so 100%. It's, it's very, like, Alexandrian... <laughs> kind of like and and you never get it and and hercules is perfect for this because it's like a completely closed system and you're just like ah, oh, i know all the references and then i was watching it yesterday with ella oh no we lost her for a second 
Okay. Sorry. Sorry about Here that. It just threw me out and then ugh, ah, it threw me out and then wouldn't let me back in because I wasn't an authorized user, which I take exception. No worries. <laughs> anyway, where was I? So I was watching I was watching Disney yesterday, uh, Disney. I was watching Hercules yesterday with with Ella, um, my three year old, and we got about thirty minutes in and she looked at me and she said, This is too grown up. I don't want to watch this. And then and then wanted to watch Big Hero Six, which is like Which is way right? more dramatic. So <laughs> Yeah, his his brother dies in the first like ten minutes that of that movie, right? Head, but you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like I, you know, I was hoping she would give me some like some hot takes, uh, but she didn't. But anyway, but watching it again, I was like, wow, this is like much more formal than because I've been watching a lot of Disney. You, you and me both. I don't even have like a like a child I can really <laughs> pin it on. Yeah. I just have been doing it <laughs> as like a three, as like a now like yeah, almost well, three year old, like three year old <laughs> at heart. But I was like, well, this is like old like or second wave disney whatever disney revival whatever you want to call it and it's like very formal and it's very i don't know i kept getting i kept trying to get outraged about women or like people of color and like i felt like there wasn't quite an i there wasn't a purchase for my rage and i was then annoyed about that and i, I was like <laughs> this has the best soundtrack other than moana that i've heard like in a while so I have good. many feelings about Moana and classical reception for, for a different episode. But yeah, it was just like <laughs> a, I don't know, it was like a nostalgic, but also, yeah. I didn't, I don't, I don't think I felt differently about it now than I did in 97, except that I probably mm. know less of the references now than I did back then. <laughs> I did keep thinking, ah, oh, Eli would know this, so. Oh. <laughs> Well, I feel like I I totally agree on like the nostalgia part. I was six years old when this movie came out. I feel like this movie was like catered to me specifically. I have that like childhood love. And when I watched it this week, I was like totally holds up. I sang all the words. I like still know like the whole soundtrack. I, I, the, the, the line coming your most lugubriousness yeah. like still gets me. I think that's yeah. like fantastic. So yeah. Even Kame, who's a big curmudgeon about this movie, finds that line very funny. So, you know. Mm-hmm. So good. We should have opened with that line. I think that's that's my favorite line from the whole. I see like my cat and I'll be like, coming your most lugubriousness. Well, and you know, pain and panic, that's like the story of the last 72 hours. So it's Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, I like pointed. I was like, Nick, look, it's me. Pain and panic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, so I I guess. Yeah, Eli, were you, that's. Yeah, that was that's I, I dig this movie so much. OK, yeah, I have. It's, it's funny, like in the evolution, because I like Eli very much. I was probably six or seven when it came out or about to turn seven or something like that. Loved this movie pretty much from the get go. It was one of my tops just I mean, for because like both of you said, it, it just went right. It, it, it had like me mm-hmm. in its crosshairs as yep. like its audience. <laughs> For sure. Both young, me like ages seven through 27. <laughs> and only like sort of recently, I still like really like the the movie. Like I think generally I really love the music and the humor mostly. And then really it's like as I've like gotten older and like trying to turn on my literary critic brain, I've like been looking at it 
and I've also been influenced by by sort of other YouTube critics and, and things. But there's like there's certain things about this movie that don't quite fit that I can get into. And there's like it has for me it actually it kind of falls apart in the back half. Like after he becomes the hero and they get the zero to hero song for me the movie kind of gets like all the problems with the movie I, for me happen in that sort of back stretch but it's also funny that i let you were talking about the the like references like we as classicists and like this is very much in it's been the nature of the field since i don't know like the third century bc but just to, like <laughs> really pride itself on like being able to pick out every obscure reference and this movie is not only this movie is the most actively referential i think of any disney movie that was the thing that jumped out to me this time that like every other line is some kind of pop culture joke or sort of comparison and it's like aggressively like that in a way that you don't see i think because this is just in like the the disney sort of production art this is a film directed so like we said by clements and musker who are excuse me who are like the big names in disney animation they're the ones that brought us little mermaid which was like kicks off the disney renaissance um, they were coming when after before this movie, they were coming hot off Aladdin, which was another massive success. And the funny there's better places you can sort of get this sort of short. But the short version of the story is Clements and Musker always, always wanted to do Treasure Planet. That was like their or they wanted to do Treasure Island, but in space. That was like their <laughs> dream goal. And meanwhile, at this at the studios, this guy, Jeffrey Ketzenberg, who's also very famous. And you can read all sorts of stories about him and his famous break with Disney. Uh, but Ketzenberg who was kind of guiding the ship more or less, or he claims he was guiding the ship. There's a lot of ego surrounding this guy. He's a sort of fascinating character, but he said, okay, you can do your treasure planet movie on the condition that you make one more like gangbuster movie. Like we want another little mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast kind of thing. Like, you know, the Lion King three years prior, I think still holds some records for like animated, like most profitable Mm -hmm. animated movies. So they wanted another so I think that's why this movie is sort of almost like weapons grade pop culture <laughs> reference because it's designed from the get-go to be as like marketable and as mass appealing as possible. But it actually, funnily enough, it, it they, they got to do Treasure Planet, which is a whole nother thing. But yeah, we put this a movie that. itself, I think, <laughs> underperformed or it didn't perform as it expected. It did okay, but it wasn't the like bombshell explosion that the earlier Disney movies like Lion King or Aladdin or Yeah, it's kind of the were. forgotten little sibling of of disney movies Mm -hmm. and i think partially it's all the the referentiality i mean there's a reason why people Mm -hmm. there's a reason classics is as like you know niche as it is and it's it's you know (laughs) we're the guys Mm -hmm. the parties who keep making like in jokes like it's not like there's something (laughs) if you don't get it then you're not i i mean right and and hercules is so dense there's no we're that the there's like a Rick and Morty joke about like we're the guy there's he goes to a party and there's this guy and he's like have you ever heard about the gear wars and the kid's like what and the guy's like well I envy you let me tell you and he gets trapped into a conversation with this guy telling him about the gear wars but yeah but so the one of the the first things I kind of had in my docket is just this movie's sort of one like the the approach to mythology and then really just embedded in that the like overall tone of this movie because it's super it's like super self-referential or not self-referential referential and that has a very sort of irreverent jokey tone which i think i'll come back to this in a second which i think sort of gets weird because at the very end it has a kind of tone problem because we whiplash between meg dying a very violent tragic death to more slapstick back to incredibly serious 
sort of climax. But yeah, what do you, what do you guys like approach to? Because it's such it, it the movie does this right from the get go, where it has that kind of like sort of reverent pan through like the museum and the vases and the kind of like the lofty voice being like the, you know, the story of gods and heroes, that kind of epic tone. And then immediately the muses cut in with like, hold up, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then they start doing their thing. I, I do think that's like part of what I like about this movie is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. And I mean, as a child, the sort of whiplashing of tone at the end, I think didn't bother me because maybe I was sort of like at the end of my attention span. And I was like, just sort of like, oh, yeah. It's the end mm-hmm. of the movie. Cool. Let's go do something else now. And like a lot of the big like banger songs are at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of remember now that I would just, you know, like sing all of the songs. And then once all the serious stuff started happening, I was like, I'm not as interested. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to like go get a snack. Yeah. And I think that I, I was surprised at maybe how fast the back end, the back beats, the third mm-hmm. act went um as an adult watching it i was like is there no like final song really i mean there kind of is like the big banger at the end but i do think that the weird humor is what i like about it and when it tries to be more serious i'm just like not not as engaged so for me like the end i was just like really they're just four titans like this this like whole (laughs) like the planets are lining and and this whole like thing and and then there are four titans, and I was like, that that kind of stretches even my credulity. I usually have a whole docket list at the bottom of my notes that's just like plot contrivances and stuff that that get under my skin. Because again, like a very sort of like the nitpicky being, like pedantic being that I am. But yeah, like the tit- the titan plot. There's there's two things I'm I'm thinking of. There's one just like this movie, by and large, invents its plot sort of out of whole cloth. Like it's not. It's not really based on anything in particular, whereas other Disney movies like Aladdin and Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast have like folkloric or literary or even frozen. Yeah. (laughs) You know, which obviously and then I feel like it became almost trendy, particularly like the late 90s to be like, well, actually, like the real Little Mermaid story is like super dark and grisly and like it's all like horrible and and murdery and Disney's just like, you know, inoculating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is the kind of mentality that led directly to Shrek, which is like sure. basically yeah. a huge, mi- I could go out a whole thing about Shrek. Cause that is actually, so that guy, Jeffrey Katzenberg, I was talking about, he leaves Disney under not good terms, goes over, starts, goes over to DreamWorks animation, makes Shrek, which is basically like a giant middle finger to his old company. Um, <laughs> but anyways, but yeah, like Shrek has that kind of like super pop culture referential, yeah. like kind of like irreverentness to it. That's a little bit going on here. Not quite to the the extreme, but yeah, that like goofiness. So there's like the 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 Titans are are almost like a second they feel very secondary because they're introduced in the first ten or so minutes and you almost forget about them and then they come back at the end and then they're dealt with in relatively yeah, short order. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean it kind of makes sense for a kids movie because like, you know, you want to, mm-hmm. like, get through the, the scary parts. But I I thought, I mean, it's a pretty schlocky movie, right? But, like, mm-hmm. the Titans <laughs> and the, the gods, right, they're, like, the schlockiest, right? They're, they're like, mm-hmm. Hercules has this little crib, and Hercules, like, makes him Texas from, like, some, <laughs> some winds. And, um, 
And yeah. Hera is this complete, like, I mean, right, that was the big controversy about the movie, that they couldn't really stomach the fact that Hera was, like, the evil stepmother, and so they made Hades do it, even though the villain in every other Disney movie up until then has been the evil stepmother. So, like, that was never really clear. Mm-hmm. But then Hera is just, like, a complete cipher, and and it's just this, like, I kind of lost where I was my threat my my train of thought but it it's like it was very um i don't know hercules is just this like lovable goof and zeus is a frat bro and, and like they're he's I, I keep he's he's voiced by rip torn which every time he speaks i think there's because in men in black he's the he's like the boss that goes like yeah. we're not hosting an intergalactic kegger <laughs> and then i feel like like that's what zeus is like he's like he's like dad with the keg of who shows up with a keg of beer yeah <laughs> totally well it's this sort of like watering down um or smoothing over of like the parts that we don't feel we can explain to a younger audience of like mm. no it's it's fine just sort of focus on the other parts of yeah. this story. <laughs> well, what I found interesting that you said that this movie kind of makes up its plot out of whole cloth because actually, right, there's like multiple plots that they could have done and they took like the whole like labors of Hercules and it's kind of like this mishmash in the middle. And and then I was thinking, well, you know, who are we to complain, right? Like we know that myth is just like version upon version upon version, so I know have a version that's you know, this weird mishmash of like, I don't know, it's almost like, it's almost like someone wrote, like, you could give this movie as, like, an exam in classical myth, right? Like, in the last class, you could be like, pick out all the things that are wrong, right? And one student would be like, well, mm-hmm. but are they really wrong? Was there really not a myth in circulation <laughs> in, like, Boeotia mm-hmm. in the third century that, you mm-hmm. know, had this instead of, right, the, the Athenian, like, hegemonic story mm-hmm. and then you'd be like yes you get an a <laughs> you get a degree <laughs> it's a trick it, yeah. the whole the, it was a trick it was like a it was like our kobayashi yeah. maru test or something so, i don't know that was the point like i couldn't get annoyed at the movie i really wanted to get annoyed at it for something but i couldn't it's just so happy <laughs> it, it, i i mean i've gone on this podcast and said on record that the movies that i like the most are the ones that clearly have a familiarity with the myth but aren't afraid to just like say yeah. like, look we know it we know you yeah. know it but like that's you know the myth sort of all the versions we have are created in their own sort of historical cultural context that sort of apply to the audiences at the time. And while some of that is sort of trans historical and works, like we also need a story for ourselves. And like, so we can take this material and sort of make something new and, and sort of relevant and, and oppression or whatever. So yeah, like I like that. I really like that about the movie. I think my problems with the plot are not that it's necessarily like, Error, error, uh, aberrant or like disrespectful to like the source material. I think they more or less are because they clearly know their stuff. There's you know the, the yeah. amount of just in jokes and references they work in. You know, and like you said, the labors of Hercules are kind of like they're sort of worked in briefly in the middle. Yeah, they're there, but I think my, like my problems with the plot that we can get into later are more like on the structural side of things because there's kind of a I think there's a I'm influenced by a Lindsay excuse me a Lindsay Ellis video, but there's kind of a disconnect between Hercules in the beginning and Hercules at the end vis-a-vis like what he wants and what he needs. And which leads me to my next sort of talking point is just the, like the, 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 because this movie is among other things, sort of about heroism and like the nature of a hero. And I think it has like things to say, because 
Well, maybe I'll just say right now, this is sort of my, my, the problem that I was shown and that appears to me in this movie is that Hercules in the beginning just sort of wants to fit in somewhere. That's his like main problem. And then by the end, it kind of becomes about what a true hero is. And the two are kind of, they're, they're, they they come very close. Again, I'm doing the thing where I make hand gestures that only Isla and Eli can see (laughs) and the listeners are just kind of to imagine, but I'm kind of, yeah, I'm like, I'm like moving my hands. I'm, yeah, I'm doing like a Devo dance, but like these two threads are close, but they don't quite connect for me in a way that, that I think works. I think I see it a little differently because I think my understanding, I guess my perception of what Hercules wants in the beginning is sort of to help people. It's like all the, even like when he's like a goofy, like teenager, um, he's Mm -hmm. like trying to be supportive of like, you know, the donkey gets, has a sprained leg. And so he's going to pull the cart and he's going to do it really well. And he's going to help his dad um he you know wants to unload the hay so quickly and then he like sends the donkey up into the air um he wants to help the guy who's like struggling to hold the the huge pots yeah Yeah. he wants to like help out the guy who lost their discus um and he just like can't do that very well (laughs) (laughs) and he sort of finds the avenue in which he can help people um he's sort of like waylaid by like sort of being thrust into this whole fame and self-aggrandizing form of helping people and then kind of goes back to that sort of genuine care for other people and how he can actually help. So that's how I've always yeah. seen that. Um, for me, that middle so segment where Jupiter, Jupiter, you can tell that I'm a Latinist, uh, where Zeus <laughs> says being famous isn't being a hero. That's the most like dated bit for me because Again, you guys are, are too young to remember this, but um, there was this guy named mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay, hang on. I take come issue on, with that. I We lived through the height of Michael Jordan. Did you, did you beg your parents for some Air Jordans? That's the real. No, I was not. Um, but I definitely, like, he was a massively, like, culturally influential person in my So, life. you know, right, so Hercules is partially... Right, modeled on that, right? Like he, they're air Hercules, mm-hmm. like air Hercs, air Hercs. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this very like, and and like the big, the big like store, right? It's a Disney shop, right? Like you, you'll have seen mm-hmm. those. And yeah. so, and, and it's this very like, I don't know, like I mean, the late seven, the late seventies, the late nineties are just like the nineties are just the eighties until they stop, until they become the like mid two thousands. And it's this very like kind of. 80s mid 90s moment where it's all about like consumerism and and merchandising and you know like doing things to win the adulation of the people and and it's very like consumerist and performative but then yeah I mean I think I see Colin's point like he doesn't if, if it were like say like Aladdin by by example we're like kind of the, the arc of Aladdin is like he thinks material wealth equals like personal quality or something like I, I, be, I prove my worth by having money. And by the end, Aladdin sort of realizes that's not the case. And personal worth comes from other qualities with Hercules, like, cause he doesn't ever seem to really want the money and it doesn't seem to have any effect on yeah. him one way or the other. The bit, that's true. The bit that that's got true. me was when he's negotiating with Hades and Hades is like, mm-hmm. if you stop, you know, being in the hero business for like 24 hours, then you get like, right. He's trading off her, that off for Megara. 
And Hercules is like, but people are going to get hurt. And knowing that, he still chooses to, like, save Megara. And I'm just like, yeah. well, that's just mm-hmm. a very, like, mid-80s, early 90s concept for me. And I think today, in the kind of, you know, post-9-11, post-Katrina, you know, post the last four years, right, our concept of hero has really changed. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. And this idea of, like, well... I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a really hard choice. It's a, it's like this is the kind of stuff they give you in the philosophy department, right? It's the trolley, the trolley test. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like, it, it bugged me that he was like, yeah, okay, well, I will save this one person, even though I have worked out that people plural are going to get hurt. Um, <laughs> the same people right. yeah. got me where I am. I'm just like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he and he he sort of like it, it becomes he really throughout the movie he doesn't really seem to care one way or the other about the people like he because there's a part where where the the and I'll just make the reference again there's a video by a, like a YouTube critic named Lizzie Ellis that is strongly influencing my my take <laughs> on this movie right now because I just watched it like the yesterday but there's a part where Megara runs up and he's in he's in Thebes which is again like we're talking about the referential like Thebes is just like a in a late eighties sort of caricature of New York. Yep. It's like New York in like, in like the crocodile Dundee the big movies or something. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't like, like the, I think like, cause the whole, like when I was seven, I like recognized the, like, you want to buy a sundial Thank guy you. is like, like that trope. <laughs> like I knew it only as a trope. I, it was not based in any sort of reality. Like New York in my experience was not this like grimy graffiti ridden, like hellscape um so again yeah like this movie is sort of like well because i wonder the production of this movie began in like the early 90s it didn't come out until 97 but like you're right it has like a very early 90s late 80s mindset i've gone way off the tangent of where i started the (laughs) thing i was gonna say was hercules like sort of his sort of apathy about the like hoi polloi or like the, the populace at large where uh megara runs into thebes and is like, there's two boys trapped in the gorge. And Hercules is like, really? Awesome. Like, this is a chance to, like, you know, mm-hmm. show my stuff. And Megara's like, you're really, you're really uh, upset about this whole thing, aren't you? Like, two boys are in danger. Two young children are in danger. And you're kind of excited yeah. about and it. And, well, and, and in some, like, you know, deeply ironic way, right? Like, that's the time where he's not wrong. Because they aren't, right? They're not real kids. And he's just being manipulated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, it's the one time that mm-hmm. he and and kind of Megara are on mm-hmm. the same page. But, yeah, I don't know. He's not hes not a very lovable character. I mean, he's a goofball. He's funny. Mm-hmm. But he's not a very lovable character. And it's one of the things about the movies that is kind of weird because, like, it, it's a real, like... I mean, you know, there's Danny DeVito, right? Like, Phil, Phil is the... <laughs> yeah, we can, we're going to talk about like, Danny Phil DeVito. Phil is the real second. hero of this movie. But Hercules, like, he's not, yes. like... You know, he's not, like... <laughs> A lovable sort. Megara is, has potential to be a complex character, but doesn't get enough screen time. Like Hades is the best character in some ways, but like yeah, yeah. he steals yeah. the show very much. Just um, by the per- the performance, right? Mostly. But but then mm-hmm. you're like, you know, it's all. And then there's like the James Woods ethical conundrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're mm-hmm. you're kind of left without a lot of people to root for and you're just like 
like the mm-hmm. like it is a movie where the animation and the in jokes and the like stuff right is the real hero of the the protagonist mm-hmm. of the piece because none of the main characters are you know it's not like the little mermaid <laughs> yeah. where you're just like you're better than this <laughs> yeah or like beauty and the like Belle and beauty yeah. and the beast or something like that or, or even i think like jasmine and aladdin where they have a little bit more well i, I want to come back to magnus because i think she's sort of just interesting in the arc of like disney's take on women i think mm-hmm. generally but yeah. But yeah, we, we were, t- Eli and I were talking because we, we talked about the, the Rocks Hercules sort of two weeks ago now. And then we were also talking about just other sort of takes on heroes like Perseus and Theseus. And like one of our, like our main critique that we kind of keep coming back to is that a lot of them don't seem to have a lot of interiority. They're very cypher-like. Hercules, I don't think, he has a little bit more sort of inner life to him, but he's kind of like, like you mentioned, there's this Michael Jordan thing that doesn't quite really pay out beyond just being a reference and then but he's also got this like superman aspect because he's it's it is like a superman origin story where he's like left or he's removed from his sort of parents who are special and kind of divine and then grows up among people who aren't him uh and has all these sort of amazing powers and things like that uh but he's kind of like, like, as Meg keeps referring to him as, like, he's, like, a dumb farm boy. That's, like, the idea. It's, like, what if Superman was, like, kind of, like, a simpleton? Well, he kind of <laughs> is, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, like, all brawn and no brain yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. When I was watching it, I was just, like, this is just another Lion King. But, <laughs> but mm. I like the Superman yeah. better. It's more. It works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think I do like um, younger Hercules more than older Hercules because he sort of has more of that kind of goofy teenager tension, I guess, or anxiety mm-hmm. and like has clear faults. And I think that's something that like we've talked about with Theseus and Perseus and all these other cipher like protagonists that they kind of can do no wrong in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so I like the yeah. sort of goofy teenage angst hercules is sort of like doing the wrong thing yeah um which i think is also great in a kid's movie and i feel like i really i like loved that as a child as well yeah to come back to like you mentioned big hero six like that's i think like just these movies are like children's animation stuff is i think developing in a lot of good ways but like that's a movie where um hero like there's a moment where he like he, he, he kind of turns a little dark right mm-hmm. well it, it <laughs> yeah. was too scary uh-huh. for me i just <laughs> Watch Big Hero Six. I was just like, I need to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Big Hero Six sounded like a scary movie <laughs> to me. <laughs> but but um, it is about skill, right? And one of the things I like about Hercules is that even though he's like, you know, a demigod and he has all these superpowers, he he needs to be trained. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Yeah. and and he has to practice and he has to work at it and it doesn't come easy and he keeps training even after he's like a, a famous hero right yeah. he's like he does laps and um <laughs> so i mean part of it is like you know high schoolish like your coach is your like great father figure but but i did like the this the idea that like you know success is you know 20 percent talent and 80 percent hard work and that, that I think is a nice message and, sure. you know, and it's part of the like, you know, flawed hero, right. Mm-hmm. Arc 
that Disney generally has, like like Maui, right? Who mm-hmm. who's yeah. this like actual like well, who's also like he's a he's a right mortal who then becomes a demigod, but he doesn't have any of his special superpowers without his fish hook. Mm-hmm. So right, it's it's this this kind of like. You can be a Superman type, but it's conditional on mm-hmm. right certain behaviors. Mm-hmm. On the training note, should we talk about Phil? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I only really have one thing, other than that. This is just more of like a like a production, like like the, just on the note of like the the genesis of this movie and like the th- the, the mentality and the thought that goes in behind these movies. Because there's a there's a thing that that now in retrospect I think is people have kind of now like now like well they realized it at the time but there was this move like in early disney movies most of the cast tended to be just voice actors who are like known within that sphere but not really like movie stars in the sense and then i think aladdin is the one that people really point to as like when they had robin williams as the genie injecting this kind of star power into the role from from like all of the disney animations after that you get a like big name comedy star or maybe some other big name like Hollywood stars like Danny DeVito in this Eddie Murphy in Mulan I think the weirdest is that Jason Alexander from Seinfeld in Hunchback of Notre Dame he's one of the gargoyles uh so there's this yeah there's a sense so they have Danny DeVito who and this is I'm just thinking about the arc of Danny DeVito generally because this is pre him as Frank Reynolds where he just fully goes into the like weird little troll person that he's kind of like that persona that he's cultivating now. He's just like this disgusting, like, like troll yeah. for lack of a better word. Sure. Was this the first time when they started doing, cause they do the features of the character kind of to vaguely recall yeah. the face of the, the mm-hmm. right. The, the voice actor, or in this case, the famous person. And they did say that they noticed that his mouth moves in really weird ways. And so they used, mm-hmm. Danny DeVito's like weird mouth movements to yeah. model Phil. Mm-hmm. But was that the first time they did that? I'm not sure. I know. So I know that with the genie and Robin Williams, they actually, they, when they designed the character and were coming up with the idea of the character, it was always based on Robin Williams from the get go. And they were kind of like, we really need Robin Williams to say, yeah, like the, he hadn't even signed off on it yet. They like, they're like, we've, we've actually gone this far and we really need him to say yes. Because if we don't like they have a whole, you can, I think you can find it on YouTube, but there's like a, some they and like one of the first tests they did was they took a bit of Robin Williams stand up like one of his stand up specials or like a five minute window of it and they animated the genie and he's like doing all of his magic stuff, so I think yeah like like Phil's character is one hundred percent like based on Danny DeVito's kind of like appearance and mannerisms for sure. Um, but so yeah. can I tell you my two dark moments with Phil like when yeah. my my full full on classicist like yes. that's what we're here for. So so obviously Phil is right, based on Chiron and Achilles, right? And mm-hmm. Achilles being raised and kind of trained by by the centaur Chiron. And and Phil even makes the look the like the topical reference, right? And there's this big statue of Achilles. <laughs> this is for Schlag and Achilles. Yeah. Yeah. Um and right and, and it's like it's a big moment. Um and then later on, right, he gets made fun of, right? Because, <laughs> you know, he's remembered as the trainer of Achilles. And and it's this like wonderful moment where the movie's like, this movie is lowering the register, right? Because instead of this like majestic like horseman, you get this like little satiric like 
goat person. And, yeah. and it's this very like clear that they're like, well, screw you, classicist. We are not taking this seriously. It's, it's funny. It's, I was going to mention it earlier, but I don't know if, if either of you saw. There is a animated series. You can find it on Disney Plus now. I actually went back and watched an episode just before this. Uh, it has a budget of like $2 a day, it seems like. It's, it's real, the production quality is is all over the place. But the episodes are kind of, some are actually, I think, quite good. And others are just kind of whatever. But there is an episode where they meet Chiron. And he's got, I forget who it is he's training at the time. It's like Jason or something. And Chiron's like this fantastic, like, he's like, and like Chiron, he's like the perfect model. And this is rivalry between Phil and Chiron. Because Phil is the like, like scrappy underdog, like failure hero trainer to Chiron's like, gold standard but i was thinking like phil to me i suspected phil to have aged like the 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 worst of every aspect of this movie just like all his little antics now i feel like would would probably not sit with audiences i don't know if you had reactions to that i was kind of i was i was like "Eh, not not you know i wouldn't have done it like that now yeah i guess i'm surprised that he is like chasing uh nymphs and that they like sort of include that which mm-hmm. like uh it's sort of like uh, i mean it was funny as a child but i definitely didn't get it right and i it's like one of those things that's like maybe for adults and then even like for the classicist adults yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that just like maybe didn't need to be there but i feel like phil gets better like he is sort of like this odd like source of a moral compass toward the end where he's like mm-hmm. do the right thing and like you know you have to yeah. you know yeah so i guess i'm sort of surprised on how that needle sort of swung from chasing nymphs to being the voice of reason <laughs> yeah like the chasing nymphs thing was weird i mm-hmm. i too was just like mm, really and then also like this weird like mini metamorphoses right because like oh yeah the the, yeah the dryad and tree yeah tree and flowers flowers. and (laughs) and i was like that actually makes it it makes it better as a classicist but worse as like a human being (laughs) right yeah Yeah. because it's a very it's a it's a it's a me too sort of moment um Mm -hmm. but it, it does feel manufactured it does feel like you know hey what do we know about satires oh they like chase nymphs which you know in in mythology they do so they they like you know put it in mm-hmm. but uh, because he does later on kind of improve and he is a foil to hercules right because he too wants to be famous yeah yeah um, yeah and, and he's like whereas hercules is like shiny and naive and young and phil is like kind of world weary and, mm-hmm. and cynical and jaded yeah uh, so he's he's kind of you know they're, they're kind of they're they're well they're well matched in mm-hmm. in that but so Phil has this other great moment where he says, right, he says, I'll say, I say, I'll say two words, right? I am retired. And Hercules mm-hmm. is like, oh, that's like he's counting up on his finger. Or <laughs> and I was looking on, on apparently Hercules has a, a fan wiki, which I guess everything has a fan wiki now. But the idea is that it's two words because in Greek, I am mm-hmm. retired is two words. And obviously, yeah. We're all classicists, so we know it doesn't have to be two words, but like, whatever, right? That feels to me, I've, I've seen that before. To me, that feels like a little bit of headcanon. Like, like it was just a joke that like 
he's not counting or something right. like that. Like it, that feels way too well thought out to have been the original intent. Right. But then, but then like professional classicists, I was just like, well, you know, whatever. It's like the duel in, in Iliad nine. It's just mm-hmm. a, a leftover of a, of a, a rich oral tradition that, <laughs> you know, the movie preserves, but does not perform. My favorite, I had my, my there's a, there's the, a moment kind of, I think about a lot and reference it that that was my like sort of nerd out moment. I forget who's, it's probably Andrew Feldhart, but he was right. He was talking about Ovid's metamorphosis. And then when Io is turned into a cow and her, and her father sees her, the first thing he says is me misera, which is like a pun, because if it was a Greek play, the first thing you would say to say like me misera, like woe is me or something would be Eo, 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 which is Io's name, which she has just written in the ground. And I was like, I read that. I was like, brilliant and then i like tried to explain and then like i like derailed my mythology class for like 10 minutes to like explain this pun and they're like dude come on (laughs) but see the new latin is just like a series of these moments Mm -hmm. i think feeny is it feeny or phil hardy i can't remember but um this is not even tangentially related but like the first roll with it yeah the first things that hera says in the aeneid or meh i can't remember but um but if you if you close the the gap it the, her first like utterance is men in right mm-hmm. which is the, the beginning of the iliad mm-hmm. um, that's so cool and th- right and you sit there and you're just like whoa mind blown like i don't like and and literally your entire career just becomes an attempt to replicate that moment Right. So it used to be that classes used to have a law named after them, right? Like Wackernagel. Um and now we're just we just want that like brilliant that sublime moment where we like mm-hmm. spotted a pun, but it's like a serious right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was noticing like this is kind of a spinoff on like the fan wiki and like because that kind of stuff is like I mean if you go in like Tumblr or or other wikis and things like that you can find all sorts of like people really like like going real intent like really interpreting the hell out of like particular moments or like I can't think of a good example now but but anyways but I was also on like the flip side if you go to like the IMDb page because I found this out for the last couple of movies where I occasionally just pop over to the IMDb trivia section mm-hmm. and you'll just find it like anybody can write for that like it's just yep. there's also there's things that are like not only just like blatantly false but like weirdly misleading and like other sorts of weird so I would just caution anyone away from looking for like taking IMDb, IMDb trivia too seriously because it's just full of like I don't know it's it's like you're you're your relative's Facebook page or something. <laughs> it's just fake news. Yeah. Well, it's a, I don't know. I, my love for Disney's Hercules remains like strong and true, but yeah. Kind of just like watching it again and, and talking with you. I seem just like, it's, a, there's not a lot of there there. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Chris Polt at BU, BU or BC in Boston, in either case. Mm-hmm. Boston, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he he has these great Twitter um, threads about Disney's Hercules, where he really like worked through all of the the visual references and the statues and the the vases and and whatnot. And and you can see that it's it's really rich and it's really thought out. And 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 just the way they did the whole movie is this like series of like illustrations that kind of come alive and and tell you the story. And then they you move to a different vase it's a very like authentic way Mm -hmm. of 
telling a Greek story, but it's it's also like completely alien to the modern right the way we tell stories now. And I I I just I kind of wonder if this is the kind of stuff that made it less of a success because it's it's almost too. It's like Moulin Rouge, right? But without the, you know, prostitute dying of TB <laughs> aspect. I, which was an element that we, I was talking about Moulin Rouge with someone. We were somehow we were talking about TB with a friend because I think I was talking about Red Dead Redemption, in which in that game, spoilers, your character contracts TB and it's very heart wrenching. <laughs> but I like complete. We were talking about Moulin Rouge for whatever reason. I had completely forgotten that aspect of Moulin Rouge because I was so fixated on the like weird pop yeah. song mashups. I, like the plot, kind of. I I could not tell you the plot yeah. Um, yeah. of Moulin Rouge. I mean, that's it. That's the plot, right? Lots yeah. of lots of pop culture references. Yeah. Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman mm. dance, and then she dies. Like, <laughs> I won't. I almost wonder, this is like a way to come back to this movie, like, yeah, like the, the insertion of sort of these just like rapid fire, like I said, like Mm -hmm. weapons grade pop culture references in the movie, if it like works in the moment, but then perhaps doesn't age well. I'm thinking of another movie that has like a weird legacy that we can't get into no matter how much I want to, which is Shrek again, which is like a movie that like, (laughs) like, like begins with Shrek literally wiping his butt with a fairy tale book. And then playing a Smash Mouth song and like all sorts of like, you know, Disney, a lot of Disneyland jokes and things like that. But like now when we look back at that movie, we're like, what was going on circa 2001 or two or whenever that came out? Yeah, I I, I don't know. It doesn't like it's it sort of my sort of impression, like my hot take, if I were to say like why Hercules doesn't succeed as well or have that kind of legacy and like fondness and nostalgia that like it has nostalgia among people like us who just kind of nerd out about mythology but it doesn't have the same kind of nostalgia that a movie like beauty and the beast or the lion Mm -hmm. king had uh and i I think it really just becomes that it kind of prioritizes like those references over some sort of like deeper character interiority or something like that and then the references just become kind of like a veneer it's like a lot of icing with yeah i mean it's, it's alexandrian poetry right like calimachus is a great poem but no one can <laughs> oh, tell yeah. the plot of anything um <laughs> right. and to be fair the lion king is hamlet so that's like that's true thing. yeah although yeah. if you really want to get like <laughs> there's like a shadow podcast to, to this podcast which you know would be called something like movies i hate were in promise just like rips into like <laughs> every box office success ever like his views on the lion king are like destructive (laughs) oh no but but yeah i mean hercules isn't a plot-based movie right no and Mm. i think to us it stands out even more because we we do know how hercules is right the star of hercules can be plot driven Mm -hmm. and and you know it's just it kind of yeah, there's a lot of that, like, back and forth between, like, pathos mm-hmm. and bathos. And, and yeah. it's, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a literary critic's dream. It's just not a... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm glad that they didn't go with the Spice Girls as the muses, because I think... Oh, I forgot to even have, bring like, that up. That would have, really dated even more yeah. the sort of references. And that sort of, I think, is what, like, is difficult. It's because a lot of the references are so dated that it sort of does take it out of 
the time that if you watch it later. But I'm so glad that the muses were gospel singers because I think that is such a wonderful and like timeless sort of musical, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, adaptation. I, I I would stand there that yeah, like exactly that. Like one, like do kids now even listen to the Spice Girls? I don't know. Zoomers on Twitter, let us know I, how <laughs> big are the Spice Girls. I tried playing it to Ella. And she preferred Britney Spears. Oh, I, I think I would argue Britney Spears has a bit more, like she's not as like the Spice Girls for me are, are very situated in like a particular five year span or something like yeah. that. Whereas Britney, I think, transcends and is still a very relevant pop culture figure today. Yes, for different reasons. Yeah, but free Britney. Uh, but. <laughs> But yeah, I really, really love the soundtrack. And I think that the use of the gospel singers and the muses is that really timeless, not so like specific referential. I think it's also kind of like, I'm going to go as far as to say maybe even inspired because it has the sort of, you know, we're going to have to do some sort of like synchronism between sort of modern religious notions and ancient Greek religious notions, because it would be weird if it were completely faithful and people were like sacrificing chickens and goats and stuff but like (laughs) like and and to have this kind of like religious affiliated genre of music in our sort of vaguely religiously affiliated movie like makes perfect and it's got a like there's american tradition but it's again like you said storied and like rich with cultural legacy and tradition yeah as opposed to just a sort of cheap who's popular in the mid 90s kind of moment Mm -hmm. and they've managed to avoid for the most part like the lowest greek stereotypes right like no one breaks Mm -hmm. plates no one's like yeah no one says opa yeah (laughs) so i mean as usual they've managed to situate greek in a landscape that looks nothing like greece but you know whatever Mm. but so when i was watching yesterday so there's a scene on Olympus where the camera sort of pans out. I can't remember if, like, I think maybe Zeus and Hera are going to, like, Hercules' little pavilion or something like that. But it, like, it pans out on this, like, small pile of, like, stuff. And mm-hmm. I'll need to go back and check. But I'm fairly sure that, like, in the middle is uh, an African mask that looks mm-hmm. a lot like one of the voodoo masks in The Princess and the Frog. Ha! Huh, that's cool. I would not be surprised. It's There's a lot of, like... There's, like, whole websites dedicated to, like, finding these kinds of little, like, Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, and Disney does it, like, on purpose, right? Like, you get... Every Pixar movie has that, like, ball with, like, a red star on it. Yeah. Or, like, a Pizza Planet truck or something like that. Yeah, and, like, in Frozen 2, Elsa and Anna play with snow figures, and one of them is Snow White, and the other one is Dumbo, and I'm just like, "Eh, that's a blast from the past. That's wild. Um, But it's kind of like, I did... There is something about like blackness in in the movie mm-hmm. that I I can't really put my finger on, but I think is a lot more. Yeah, the the like especially now. I think there's like there's like something to be said, but one I'm probably I'm not the one to say it, and I don't really have any like coherent, concrete thoughts about like the significance of the muses being women of color. Other than that, it's, it's interesting, and I guess maybe a novel move. It's one of – I mean, you could do the, like, sort of just checklist, and there's incredibly few women of color in the Disney universe, yeah. based up, you know, mm-hmm. J- Jasmine and then Mulan and Tiana. Yeah. Is that her name? Yeah. Princess yep. and the Frog? Okay. Yeah. But it's the, it's the really, like, natural and organic way in which mm-hmm. Hercules achieves it, right? It's not forced, and it's not, like – like, why shouldn't the muses be yeah. a gospel yeah. choir, right? Like – it, it's very it's very light-handed and yeah. right in our moment when we are like right as a field are kind of 
thinking about ancestry and you know diversification and all that then it, it, it was actually really like refreshing to just yeah. see it and it's, be like yeah why it's like it's testimony i think to like that it's such a natural fit because i think as far as i'm aware no one has ever really questioned it or no. in the same way that people have like put up big racist stinks about like the recent Troy Netflix series where they have Achilles is black and, and, or like, you know, it's in the same vein of like the, the 2016 Ghostbusters movies where people like sort of get really hot and bothered and they think there's some kind of like liberal, like, I don't know. Agenda. Like, yeah. Forcing things, forcing PC things down people's throats or whatever. The the lizard people. Yeah, exactly. Or are we, no, are are we lizard people or are we like a secret cabal of, of, we're a secret cabal of lizard people. We are the lizard, the lizard. I forget the marching world. orders sometimes myself. I still got to come up to HQ. And I got to get the queen online and she can tell me. The, yeah, the and I bet, you didn't, I, I bet you didn't even like mail in your late ballot yet. So. Like, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you going to be part of the conspiracy? Come on now. My, yeah, it's, it's hard being. I, I haven't paid my Illuminati dues in, in years now. Um, I hear they have a but, good graduate student discount, though. So. <laughs> yes. As, they, as they, they pay me to indoctrinate young and corrupt the youth yes uh okay <laughs> oh my god uh, well we're coming up on an hour do we do yeah does anyone do any any other hot takes complaints plot holes contrivances that you want to gripe about because oh. now that we usually end with like we just devolve into pettiness i know that's I the kind talk, of arc i want to talk about hades we didn't really talk so much that's true about we didn't talk about megara either that much so i although i don't yeah, I love the characterization of Hades and I love his voice and the whole, you know, actor being a Republican asshole aside. <laughs> I love the sort of use of Hades as this sort of grumpy, sarcastic weirdo. But I hate that Hades is again the villain. It's like we have no other like avenues to talk about an evil character. We're still sort of putting it on mm-hmm. um, the guy who's from the underworld. Um, so that's... The flowchart, I think, when picking your villains in a Greek myth is either Hades, barring that, Ares, yep. maybe Hera. Yeah. Depending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was miles better than the Ares in Wonder Woman. Like, that. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. David Thewlis. That's, that's, um... Which was, like, genius. Like, David Thewlis, I have no problem with it's mm-hmm. the like and it was even fine down to the like oh i'm actually like working on the armistice because this like confetti piece is better <laughs> for me like it was the mm-hmm. when he became a transformer <laughs> <laughs> that's ever i think but, but, as much as like i love wonder woman and it gets like this movie i love it probably up to the first two acts and then the third act and i'm not i'm everybody has said this already but it just when she becomes the like cgi smack fight between the whatever he is he's like a man made of metal or whatever and and wonder woman then it's kind of like all right um but but much like hercules i think the the movie up until that point had earned like i was like fine i i it, it has accumulated enough goodwill for me that i'm like i'm i can handle this without i'm not gonna get chewed down on this movie well promet's idea of like a good he, well the way he sees it is like the first 40 minutes of wonder woman and the last 40 minute of black panther together make one good movie <laughs> actually yeah i okay, see that yeah yeah all right <laughs> yeah because i think they both sort of like suffer a little bit for like for all the novelty that they are 
and bring to like the sort of movie landscape, particularly superheroes, which get a little bit cookie cutter sometimes. They do have a little bit of the like plot steps that have you know are very very tried and true to the point of becoming tired yeah yeah um, well and sure. actually that's interesting about hercules too. note the smooth pivot <laughs> that's what we pay <laughs> the big bucks <laughs> um so he i think to my mind and i'm not an art historian so our historians in the crowd don't don't at me but to me he Eli, is, that's you by proxy is, <laughs> um he's clearly modeled on michelangelo's david mm. and oh, yeah. the hair yeah, the like hair swooping. like hair flip thing. and the like yeah. disproportional like face and and yep. like limbs, right? It's very mm-hmm. like Michelangelo. It's very like look at my muscle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I dissected cadavers. <laughs> uh, yeah, let, that that can be the pullout quote. I dissected cadavers, but um, and then like there's that scene with Megara when like she like right there's this big statue of him mm-hmm. and like. He's super cookie cutter, right? He like at some mm-hmm. point there are like cookie cutters, right? just like endlessly replicated, like little like action figures. And he says to Zeus, right? He was like, "I'm an action figure." An action right? And the, the action figures move and say, "It's pecs like swell yeah. up," right? And so it's this like, I mean, on the one hand, it's like a profound meditation about art and consumerism and kids, but it's also like this this moment where his dad's like, you have to be a true hero. And he's like, but I am famous. And you can tell that I'm famous because I have been completely reduced to something commercial and replicable. (laughs) That's the most profound thought we're going to get on this movie, I think, this whole episode. Well, you know, that's why they pay me. But it it is kind of like, you know, he is the most generic of, of heroes, which kind of makes sense because Hercules is the template for all other Mm -hmm. heroes. And to me, it, like Megara, by contrast, is someone who has the potential to be a really mm-hmm. interesting character, yeah. but just isn't because mm-hmm. they didn't give her enough screen time. And so she never gets to be complex. Yeah. And it's like, we could have had Hera be a really interesting, cool, like Snow White type villain, but we were too iffy about it. And then we could have had Megara be an interesting villain, but we were iffy about it. And so instead... Danny DeVito. <laughs> well, yeah, because I feel like most of what Meg does is just sort of give Hercules reasons to do things. She's like part of the her getting hurt or, you know, being manipulated is sort of part of his motivating factors. So she is almost not even a full character at that point. She's just part of the things that move the plot along. Yeah. Which I do think is sad. Like she has that sort mm-hmm. of like cranky, witty snarkiness that could have been really fun. But yeah, she needs way more screen time. Yeah. Well, and also there's this, like, when after she falls in love with Hercules and Hades is, like, grilling her, like, at some point he says, like, but it's a guy. Like, haven't you... And it's like he becomes her, like, gay best friend or something. Yeah. And and you're just like, yeah. (laughs) Like, didn't you... And then, yeah, but that's like part of Disney's like you have a, a this like sapphic moment of, mm-hmm. of true love, and then your brain goes to mush, and you can't like reason anymore, and like whatever. Right. But yeah. yeah, I feel I feel like Megara could have. Yeah, she's like she's in the arc. When you think about like the sort of arc of Disney, I guess princesses for lack of a better word. But you have like the one like Ariel and I think Belle are like beginning a trend of like they're they have more they they exist beyond just like objects to be married and they have like 
intellectual ambitions and, and sort of strong personalities. Then you get into more like Jasmine and more rebellious ones. Then Mulan, I think, is kind of, and Pocahontas are like completing that arc. Megara fits kind of in that sort of weird way because it's, she's, I guess, novel in that she seems to have had like a romantic life prior to Hercules or she, and she has like these world experiences. Oh, hey, Leo. My cat just jumped on the desk and it decides to be part of this episode. I should show you Theo doing a lion. He goes. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, she like like you, you're saying like she's not all the way there yet. Like she comes so close to being sort of a, a really I think not disruptive but kind of like ch- ch- paradigm shifting character. Mm-hmm. But we're we're not quite there yeah. yet. And then until we get yeah, and when know. they do that little animation about how she got right dumped by her boyfriend, the the little back animation is very like Disney princess. Right, yes. she's not even mm-hmm. wearing the same clothes. Yep, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like interesting. There's this like suggestion that she's older than him, and it would kind of have been cool, yeah. this like cougar like subplot <laughs> where she because yeah, the movie explicitly says that it's 18 years between like when the when the the eclipse is going to happen. So Hercules is however old he was when he was a baby. When he's an adult, he is 18 yeah. years older. So he's like tops 19. Yeah. Yeah. And Meg, I would, if I had to guess, I would say Meg is like pushing thirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she certainly gives gives off that vibe. <laughs> yeah, but it's also when you're like, also, I was having, I was because I watched Hercules with my partner Tracy, and we were talking about when you get the like standard presentations of like the Disney princesses, like who is and isn't in that like repertoire. Like you get your sort of classics like Snow White and Cinderella, and then Belle and Ariel. And I was like, is Megara usually in that that because then we were t- talking about like some of them like like Mulan's not a princess but she's very much included in that pretty regularly, and like other ones are art but like Meg- I feel like Megara is the one that is like she she's she's kind of maligned by like the the leader yeah. in a way and what other when characters like Mulan and Tiana have like ascended to that kind of pantheon, right. Megara is sort of like she's like on the B team. Yeah. Well, because, like, the movie wasn't about her, right? It's like, it's not, she wasn't the main character, I guess. So, Ella has, is the reason that I watch so much Disney. So, the first movie that she saw was Frozen, and then Frozen 2, and then Moana, and then Rapunzel, I think, so Tangled. And then she wanted to watch Mm -hmm. Aladdin, and it took us, like, she watched Aladdin, both the new version and the old version. And it took us, she started with the cartoon, and it took us a really long time. She was kind of, like, iffy about it, and it took us a long time to work out that she thought Aladdin was a woman. Uh. And she couldn't understand, like, why. Like, I remember, like, telling her, like, you know, about Aladdin, and I was like, he, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, but mommy, Aladdin's a girl. Right? Interesting. Um, and, In that way that she is 100% convinced she is right. Yeah. Right, um, and then I was like, "Well, obviously that's what she thinks because all the movies she has seen up to now have had these like strong female leads." And Aladdin is actually the one other Disney film where the hero is explicitly a man, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. then Hercules is the other one. Mm-hmm. Well, the Lion King, I would say. Um, yeah, although he's a cat, but like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and uh, the jungle. Right. Book. I forgot. I also forgot another person who is, I think, maligned. We are all forgetting. I think we in the world are forgetting about Tarzan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
There is a Disney Paris on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Phil Collins, he did all the music. It's great. Um, I love that movie. Um, yeah. So we had a long, like, attempted conversation about it. Because now that I think about it, they're all really lame, right? Like, <laughs> Aladdin, Hercules, Mowgli. I haven't, I don't think, seen Tarzan, but I'm familiar with the story. And, like, and, and it's just like, I don't know, this, like, mediocre white dude, like, <laughs> yeah. like does things because, mm-hmm. you know, smart women around him are kind of enabling him. I don't know. It's like a depressing parable about <laughs> patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. If we think too hard on it, we're going to make ourselves sad. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like, that's why Moana is the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the soundtrack's good. Like there's like, she's a positive role model. They are like deep and meaningful. Aeneid references mm-hmm. that no one mm-hmm. appreciates. Possibly because I imagine. I want to get that hot, that hot ticket. And when I saw Moana, I think I made Eli was like hanging out with me. I was like, yep. I saw you have to watch this movie. <laughs> I like, I, made, I like sat them down. I was like, I burned this DVD. Uh, like, watch it now. We just watched Moana. I'm like, that was great. Uh, I, I stand for Moana. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Promise probably going to reveal to me why I'm wrong. Oh no, um, he loves Moana. Oh, okay. <laughs> now I feel better. Moana is uh, Lin Manuel's Miranda's uh, best work. Okay. Which is okay. quite a statement considering that he hasn't seen Hamilton yet. So. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, he's, he's saying it's better than Hamilton, which is like a controversial, but like, all right, you know. Yeah. Although I have to say that my my particular view is that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda's finest lyrics are in an episode of How I Met Your Mother. I would agree with that. <laughs> I, enlighten me. I'm, I'm so um, Marshall is coming back from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, long, many adventures, but the last phase of it is on a bus to, to the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the, the baby's name? Anyway, the baby won't stop crying unless Marshall tells him stories. So he tells them stories and they all rhyme. Um, and at some point, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's another passenger on the bus, mm-hmm. does this amazing rap about Canada. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> And that is like the the pinnacle of I feel. I, I mean, I gotta say that like consider the, the, consider the, like, the coconut is like up there for me. When I think about that like, can, the, but, like. But have you considered the coconut? The tree and its leaves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we use that line a lot in our house. I don't. I now can't conceive of what in relation to what, but oftentimes we'll say consider the coconut, and I'll we'll say. Yeah. It's never it's it's like never out of place. Like I feel like you could just be at a conference and there's like the moment of questions and they just be like, Well, have you considered the coconut? <laughs> it's like, well yes, we Which, have both the tree yeah, and the leaf. It's becoming my new my my old phrase that I used to think about like whenever I was just like I need like a filler is it was like, Well, what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm like, well, yes, but what about the droid attack on the Wookiees, which is like a rebuttal no one can can can, can rise to, because yeah. no, they haven't. Bad. They haven't considered the coconut, and they don't no. know about the droid attack on the Wookiees. Yeah. How have we gotten to this point? <laughs> I, I don't know. Naturally. I'm having too much fun. <laughs> but so yesterday, I was teaching my class, and 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 uh, we were talking about geology. And at this point, we had spent most of class talking about the election. So, we were, and we were all like agreeing that our brains were fried and whatnot. But we start talking about geology, and then one student in the chat is like, "What is what is everybody's favorite rock?" And I was like, "That is a lame question. Like, what? Like, 
but then so I was like, okay, you guys, if you have a favorite rock, then put it in the chat. And there were fifty students in the class. Forty of them, like, had legit favorite rocks, like metamorphic and quartz and diamonds and stuff. Um, I love and, this so much. And then one of them was like punk. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then one of them was like classic. And I was like, yeah, fine, you guys. And then somebody went Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> that's, that's good. And yes. I was like, you're getting A. You're getting A. Semi-related, semi kind of a segue back. I had, we were, I was doing, I was teaching, I think I was teaching either the, the yeah, I was the Aeneid or the Odyssey. It was one of the two. We were doing the like epics in my class. And we just got into the topic of like, if you were to like put it to film, like what you would, and we we're just kind of batting around like what you would or wouldn't do if you were to like film one, make, make these a movie or a show or whatever. And we got on the subject of casting, um, which I still, I still stand. I think like if I were to cast in Aeneas, I would always, Pedro Pascal would be my first choice. But Anyways, that's my own sort of. That's just my own rock to grind. But then, one, I would say Ed just... Norton for young Aeneas, and then like oh, interesting. George Clooney or something for because you want someone who's very bland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pedro Pascal's like too interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so but one of the students just say Danny. She just said Danny DeVito every role. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, like point, points yeah, for that. That's, that's fair. That's well, fair. also, it's uh, Zoe has a great sort of continuous twitter thread about um our friend zoe yeah <laughs> our friend zoe uh on yeah just danny devito memes like in like as odysseus and just like doing you know <laughs> random things in the odyssey but it's a danny devito meme <laughs> can you believe i've been away from home for 10 years oh my god <laughs> so there's so what are you like a pig now <laughs> oh my god i love it so much yeah. he is like the gift that keeps on giving you know it's so true mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a, 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 it went viral. This was like almost a year or more ago, I think. But of somebody like in their high school, they found like there was like a secret Danny DeVito shrine in like one of the bathrooms that oh somebody had like set up, like a little picture and like people were leaving offerings and then the school found it and like took it down. <laughs> and there was this whole like, like there's this whole um, controversy on, uh, I don't know, like Reddit or something like that. I forget. Yeah. But yeah, weird, wow. strange cultural icon. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. the, 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 the little goblin who stole our hearts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Danny. I mean, in some ways, he's the most dated thing in the entire... Just like, just like him, not even like anything he says or, or does. He's such a... My, my theory now, I'm just going to say, my, like, my other hot take, is he is like the inverse of Tom Hanks. <laughs> Whereas like Tom Hanks is... If Tom Hanks is America's dad, Danny DeVito is like America's like gross uncle. <laughs> <laughs> He's like America's cool gross uncle, though, right? He's yeah. not the like. You yeah, know. he's the gross uncle. That yeah, you could get a lot grosser as far as uncles go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hang out with Danny DeVito. All right. All right. Well, so we are signing off, and I think we've, we've said all of our thoughts about Hercules. So many. Uh, <laughs> any any last any last plug? Oh, uh, actually, no, I do due diligence. I yell it. Where can people find you on the internet? Places. Uh, I am uh, Dr. What is it called? Flat dash, lower dash, floor dash. Do you know what I mean? Floor dash. Yeah. I'm Dr. Floor dash AHL on Twitter. And there you can find my random musings on all sorts of things. And also um, plugs for my other podcast, which is called Inside Classics and is 
me and Sam Ross and Cassie Winkley talking about COVID and its effect on classics. And our most recent episode features our very own Eli. So you can hear her talk about um, her exciting research. And I think, Colin, you're in a future episode. So I remember being in one. Um, I don't, to my knowledge, it hasn't, I haven't heard it. No, no, Um, it's like we're, we're. I I also don't remember what I say because I'm pretty sure I just like went on a, just, I mean, this is a good podcast for me to just go on rants about things that pass in my head. I'm not sure if yours was really the venue for it. Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's an experiential medium and we're all, you know, we're learning as we go, but yeah, that's, uh, that's me. All right. Fantastic. Well, thanks guys. And we'll be back next week. We're actually going to inter or we're going to record very shortly with our next host, Dr. Clara. Uh, Bozak Schroeder. Uh, so we're very excited about that. And I'm going to say this is my favorite episode yet. I'm really excited to finally edit and release. This has been a heaps of fun. So we're, we're definitely going to have you back next time you're ready. Yes, if something no. jumps to your head. My, 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 I, we can, I, I have many ideas that I will, I will tell you. Yeah, you, well, you've got our emails, so. <laughs> I know what you do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, All right. everyone. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>